0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Just One More Opinion. My name is Charlie and today we shall assemble to meet a new team of superheroes as we travel back in time to 2014 and across the universe for the Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's get started! Okay, okay, we have lots to talk about today, but before we get started, I have to quickly say what I was feeling um, in 2014 as I stepped into the movie theater to watch this new Marvel film. I went into the movie not knowing a goddamn thing about any of the characters and came out crying We Are Groot for over a week. That's how fresh and powerful the story of Misfits was. Yes, it was a gamble, a risk to introduce a B-level super team uh, on the big screen, but once again, Feige and Marvel didn't disappoint and gave us a hilarious, action-packed and emotional ride with a bunch of, quote-unquote, losers. Where should I start, you know? (laughs) Uh, everything is new with this one. James Gunn, the director, brought some color to the franchise with his unique style. And also we have a great soundtrack with the awesome mix, volume one cassette. Lots of classics and a fundamental piece of the Guardians movies, for sure. The casting is also, in my opinion, splendid. The ensemble is very unique as each character is very different from each other and had... And they add something new to the story. Our main hero, Peter Quill, played by bulky Chris Pratt, is funny and goofy. A type of protagonist we haven't seen before in these movies. Zoe Saldana as Gamora is this badass intergalactic assassin with enormous skill. And also regret. We have Rocket and Groot voiced by Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel, respectively. And I gotta say, sometimes I I forget that these actors are voicing these humanoid characters. It's crazy, especially with Cooper. The guy has so much range in what he does, in general, and with Rocket, too. I, I love it. And then we have Drax, played by... WWE Superstar Dave Bautista. Most of you don't know this, but when I was 9 and 10, I started getting really into WWE and followed it for over 7 years. Right now I am not really interested in it anymore, now with with the storylines they've been pushing. But there was a time when I preferred WWE over Marvel. And to see this this wrestler, who I'd known for over five years, appear in one, in my favorite cinematic franchise, and kill it as this beast, this sort of naive assassin that added so many comedic moments to the film, I was really bewildered, shocked by his performance. I mean, so, so, so freaking funny. Truly a breakout role for, Bautista. <laughs> um, yeah, some of, some of his lines are just, just so good. As secondary characters, we have Michael Rooker as Yondu, who will have a more prominent role in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. But here you already have a sense of his connection to Peter, and his um, his control of the whistling arrow, is weapon of choice, is so OP, such a cool scene, when, when he completely destroys all those Kree soldiers at the, um, at the end. Oh man, yeah, so cool. Great casting, and a fun, a fun character, actually. We get Nebula, played by Karen Gillian, who is one of the adopted daughters of Thanos. And you can see in this movie that Nebula has conflict within herself. But once again, that storyline will be explored more deeply in the second movie. But speaking of the Mad Titan, he finally full-on appears on screen after a teaser in the post credit scene of the Avengers. We are presented with this small performance, um, this short performance, I mean, from Josh Brolin as Thanos. But I have to be honest... Um, It caught me off guard, yes, but not really in a positive way. There was no real spectacle regarding his appearance, and you have to have that with this character, I think. He shows up kind of out of the purple, and we get one minute of him talking to Ronan the Accuser, and that's that, really. That's just it. So I wish they had kept him in the shadows until Infinity War, because... Um, His appearance in that movie was much better than in this one, in my opinion, of course. Um, And speaking of Ronan, he is this movie's big bad, played by Lee Pace. He is a Kree fanatic, loyal to his people and his cause, but really, he only wants more power and to breed destruction in Xandar, home to the Nova Corps. So once more, we have um, a... Rather two-dimensional villain with ordinary, hollow motives. And I'd say, one of the least memorable antagonists in the MCU, I'm afraid. But okay, let's go through the plot now, so let's start from the beginning. We meet a young Peter Quill on Earth, and he's feeling terribly sad for some reason. It seems as though, to relax him... um, when he listens to some music on his Walkman. But then his grandfather comes and gets him, and that's when we find out that his mother, Meredith, is very sick and on the verge of passing away. And right out of the bat, we are dealt this very brutal, painful human moment of losing a loved one at an early age. And just like that, Peter is whisked away by an alien ship Something that could be seen as a, as a trope for these, for, I don't know, 80s, 90s alien movies. Um, but yeah, we fast forward in time to meet adult version of Peter on the surface of a desolate planet, and we get that marvelous, funny scene of him dancing with the sound of some classic tunes, and in some ways this scene helped to set the tone for the whole movie, and it He prepped the audience, he told us what kind of movie it was going to be. But the contrast between this sequence and that first one with Meredith Meredith Quill's death, it tells us two things. First, this goofy guy, jumping around and dancing, catching, grabbing little aliens and using them as microphones. This goofy guy has a troubled past, having lost his mother. ...and his home in a couple of minutes... ...but he seems to be... ...voluntarily denying it. That's the th- the second thing. Because he has not made any attempt... ...to go back to his home planet... ...and... ...he hasn't even opened... ...his mother's last gift. Nor has he read her letter. Because the emotional weight... ...of that present... ...of those few last words... ...will take back Peter... ...to a world of suffering and loss and now he is literally trillions of miles away from all that and nothing to remind him of his earthly origin. Quill just gets by as a space thief, with his self given codename Star Lord Um and he here on this planet he is on a mission to retrieve an object called the orb, but he quickly finds himself in danger as he is confronted by a dozen Kree soldiers who work for someone called Ronan. Quill escapes by use of some cool gadgets and his blasters, but when he reaches the point of sale, he is met by Gamora, th- daughter of Thanos, who wants the orb as well, and both are stopped by Rocket and Root, who want to cash in for the bounty of Unquill, put out by an angry Yondu. The four characters clash with each other and then are stopped by the Nova corpse and imprisoned. And leading the society, I didn't mention this before, is another character, Nova Prime, played by Glenn Close. And even though her role is minimal, Close is convincing enough as his peace-seeking leader So, yeah, that's that. Um, Our heroes are sent to the Kiln, a high-security prison, and there we finally meet Drax, the Destroyer, who has had his family killed by Ronan. So he sees Gamora, a newly prisoner, and he wants her killed as well. So we have lots of exciting conflict in this scene, in this whole sequence at the prison, which creates some fresh tension between these individuals, and some <laughs> hilarious interactions, too, since one of them is unaware of the existence of metaphors, taking every quirky Earth joke quite literally. <laughs> but despite all the, all the bad blood between them, all five of our protagonists team up to escape the kiln and sell the orb to an interested party. The escape is quite awesome, especially Rocket and Groot's team-up moves, And I have to admit that the CGI is fantastic for both characters. There was not one moment when I felt it looked bad or weird. So, props to that. So the team escapes the prison and travels to nowhere. A mining station inside the severed head of an ancient celestial being. Now, um, I wonder if... The Eternals movie will reference or explain this occurrence. But, oh well, still a year to go to find that out, I guess. We could have had it last month, but life happens, right? Um, Anyway. And there, in nowhere, we meet the Collector. Once more, last seen in the post-credit scene for Thor The Dark World. Tannelier Tivan, as he's called, wants to buy the orb from the team. Because, as he explains, it is one of the six infinity stones. And that scene with the reveal. Oh my god. Chills and excitement running through my body, from my head to my feet. Just incredible. Damn. Anyway. Um, an An accident happens when the collector's assistant touches the power stone and our heroes leave Nowhere with the orb so they can bring it to the Nova Corps where maybe it can be contained now that they know what the orb actually had inside of it. But unfortunately, their plan is quickly stopped as Ronan and his goons show up on Nowhere and Nebula with them steals the orb from her sister, Gamora, which offers us a moment of noble sacrifice by Quill's part as he flies towards the floating body of Gamora out in space and gives her his helmet in order for her to survive. Thankfully, Yondu shows up and his ship pulls them both into safety. And inside Yondu's ship... A plan is devised for which they need the cooperation of the Nova Corps and the Yondu with his ravagers as well um, as a, an extra aid. So they can stop Ronin from attacking, destroying really, with a Power Stone, the planet of Xandar. And so we reach our final battle, the Guardians assemble and decree Nova, Mini-war ensues. It's ship versus ship. Gamora versus Nebula and Root. And Groot um, skewers a bunch of Kree soldiers and just bam, bam, smashes them into each other. So badass and awesome. And his little little smile at the end. (laughs) Just perfect. But Ronan is the bigger threat now that he has put the Power Stone inside of his Warhammer, so the Guardians need to stop him first, before he reaches the um, the surface of, of Xandar. And they are able to slow him down by completely wrecking his ship, the Dark Aster. But because the heroes are inside that ship, and it's falling, and it's falling into certain death... But because the heroes are inside that huge vessel and they're falling into certain death, a last sacrifice is needed. And Groot stretches all the branches he could muster and protect his team. We are Groot are his last words. And with this last good deed the um, tree character grows on you instantly. Groot just makes you cry and he presents us with this new... I don't know, with something new. An actual definitive sacrifice for a character introduced in this movie. Now tomorrow we will have another permanent hero death as well, but it's not often that this happens in superhero movies I'd say. So it made this movie that much more unique, and yes, I know that we have baby Groot growing at the end of the film and by endgame he is a teenager. But he's basically a whole different character, a slice of what this Groot was really. So his sacrifice was real, it wasn't a fake sacrifice. For that we have Loki. (laughs) But the fight is not over. Ronan is still very much alive, so the only way to stop him is to dance. Yup, a dance off between Star Lord and Ronan. So silly, so quill, so guardians. Of course, <laughs> Ronan doesn't lift a toe, but the distraction gives them enough time to split the stone from no- from Ronan's weapon. And in another iconic moment from the film we are we are shown such heroism as Quill grabs the stone and holds its immeasurable power on his mortal hand and with the help of the rest of the guardians they are able to contain it for long enough and use its destructive ability to kill Ronan and just like that for the first time ever the guardians have saved the galaxy. In their next film, we'll learn that Quill isn't actually entirely mortal, thus explaining why he was able to hold the Power Stone. But obviously, I'll get to that in a couple of days. Um, as some final thoughts, um, I am still curious about Rocket's mysterious backstory. Because it was teased here that he was made um, in a, a very personal scene um, with with, um, with Rocket and Drax and in the next movie other few details about his origin are also like spread throughout Volume 2 but James Gunn has said that uh, the third movie would focus on Rocket much more so I'm really looking forward to that Volume 3 can't get here fast enough. Hopefully we'll hear about its release date very soon. Um, And another thing, I I always tear up at the end when Peter is reading his mother's letter and in it she calls him her little Star-Lord. It's just so sweet, so beautiful and very, very touching. And if there's anything we can learn from this movie is that... Friends are the family we choose. I know, very cheesy, but also very, very true. Because a band of misfits and losers, together, were able to save the galaxy. (laughs) I'll give this one a 9, as an MCU film, and an overall an 8. This is just a great new addition to... the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It took us to some exciting new parts, um, locations, and we were able to explore a new set of characters with very different personalities from what we are used to. Guardians of the Galaxy was a very pleasant surprise for everyone who had no idea who these characters were, and I have to take my hat off to Marvel for, once again, knowing damn well what they're doing. We have reached the end of the episode my friends, tomorrow we'll look at yet another team up MCU movie as we reunite with the Avengers for Age of Ultron. I hope you enjoy this one and the series as a whole, I will see you tomorrow, bye!